0: Cloud native and cloud agnostic are not mutually exclusive, but achieving both takes work. I'm your host, Brian Fawcett, and this is IT Availability Now, the show that tells stories of business resilience from the people who keep their digital world available. On this episode of IT Availability Now, Eric Hogstad, Principal Cloud Architect at SunGuard AS, joins us to discuss how to use modular workloads and service-oriented architectures to achieve cloud native and cloud agnostic workloads. Eric, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So I want to start with why companies are interested in cloud native and cloud agnostic workloads. What's the business case here?
1: So it's all about flexibility and being able to move workloads as needed between on-prem and cloud in order to save money and take advantage of different services or meet specific customer needs. Some examples I can think of were a couple years ago, Walmart had told all their vendors to stop using AWS, and it was due to Amazon buying a big competitor, Whole Foods. Now, a lot of people spent spend a lot of money into getting into AWS at that point and it put some organizations in a really tight spot because they had already embraced that cloud-native option within AWS, and then they'd have to spend a substantial amount of money re-architecting everything to move it to another cloud or sometimes even back on-prem. Um, and then you've had other situations where Microsoft Azure decided to change their licensing around their SQL services. Um, and they've also changed licensing structures through private as well as public clouds other than Azure. So if you're running that database, suddenly it costs more. Uh, costs went up and companies started looking into AWS. That takes a lot of money um, and there's a big effort to re-engineer the process to get from Azure back to AWS, even though it's the same database. So once you're locked into it as a service and no longer as a server, you know, things get more complicated. So on the other hand, when you use tools, deployment methodologies and processes that work unilaterally across all the platforms where it can be repeatable, you can easily change course as needed when things like that happen.
0: Yeah, so what makes it so challenging to develop workloads that are both cloud-native and cloud-agnostic?
1: Well, all of your cloud platforms like GCP, VMware, AWS, Softchoice, et cetera, all offer specific tools to allow you to embrace cloud-native approach. However, when you go down this road, there's a catch. Once you start using certain tools, you become vendor-locked into that cloud and into a delivery method that's specific to that cloud provider's platform.
0: What does that mean for those companies?
1: It really affects how companies are using comprehensive cloud-native solutions to reduce the costs. Um, They can allow you to increase business agility, uh, create more revenue-generating opportunities faster. However, uh, once you embrace a a specific platform product or cloud-native option, it's exactly that, platform-specific So being so heavily tied to a particular cloud provider may inhibit your ability to look at, you know, your entire cloud landscape, even um, on-premise as well, and choose that right platform or cloud delivery method for each of your workloads. Let's face it, everybody has different softwares, different middlewares. Um, Being able to find that niche across multiple platforms to save money go from CapEx to OpEx is really what's key. So therefore it's important to first identify your overall business goals and intended outcomes before making any decisions for vendor lock-in.
0: So how do companies avoid the vendor lock-in while also getting the most out of available cloud services?
1: Um, that's exactly where taking a cloud-native or cloud-agnostic approach comes into play. By using non-platform-specific tools, you become more modular. Um, that's why things like Snowflake are really taking off that you can use on every cloud platform that doesn't lock you into certain things. Um, you also have that flexibility to change providers, find the right cloud, cloud model for the use case you're trying to achieve.
0: Let's dive deeper into that. What what are those tools and h- how do you keep uh, and how do they keep you cloud agnostic?
1: Well, first, you need to decide how you're going to deploy to these environments. Um, so, I mean, Red Hat has been at this since the beginning uh, with the multi-cloud approach. But recently, I mean, Terraform is one of the best options because it allows you to write your infrastructure as code and create reproducible virtual infrastructure across pretty much all the cloud platforms. So once you're able to deploy into every cloud platform, the next thing that comes up is, you know, you need a monitoring solution to monitor everything. Um, Splunk or Pluralsight, for example, that way you can look at what's happening in your platform, make an actionable decision based on consumption, billing, the overall user experience uh, that you're seeing. And, you know, that really comes into play With If you have different departments and different clouds and you want to start doing chargebacks or finding out why you're spending so much more in one cloud than the other, you're able to see across all of them. And then management is incredibly important for that. Once you've got the data, you've monitored it. Now, how do you manage that? And that's important whether you're in a single or multi-cloud environment. I mean, the question is, how are you going to monitor the performance of your multi-cloud environment? especially when you don't own the underlying infrastructure. It's tools like Datadog that can give you that single pane of glass approach to viewing all of your environments.
0: That's great, Eric. Uh, you talked a lot about how to take a cloud agnostic approach uh, at the start, but how do you actually enable workload to move from one cloud to another?
1: Right, um, and a lot of that comes with decoupling. You want to uh, separate certain sp- you take a giant server and you want to pull it apart like an onion. Um, You know, sometimes you see a server that has an application, a database and a web server all in one. Well, we want to pull that apart a little bit. Um, And that's good for a lot of reasons, because if one of those things fails, they all don't fail together. Right. And uh, one of the ways you can do that is containerization is a popular method. They let you move from one virtual environment to the next, Uh, And then mainly using low-level infrastructure as a service uh, services. You know, and of course, with that, there's some caveats with containers. Firstly, there's a lot of options out there. So you got to make sure you're using the right container for the right use case. And secondly, containers have inherent security issues if you're not setting up and managing them properly. And that comes down to, you know, your orchestration method behind it. Things like Kubernetes or... Um, is really universal across all platforms, but you really need to lock in, you know, what you're doing with the security features, the networking plugins that you can use with your workload. And finally, like, while containers let you switch clouds easily, they limit your ability to take advantage of a lot of the innovative features of public cloud.
0: That makes sense. So once you have all of these areas covered uh, to limit your vendor lock-in, how do you keep track of whether each workload is in the right place?
1: Well, you you need to have unified governance and process for how you're going to maintain and manage all of your deployments. And and what does that consist of? Well, it it should really be a cross-functional team and a managed service. So the combination of the two helps you create a streamlined and repeatable process It will limit the deployment of platform specific tools. So what I mean by that is if you want to, for instance, start streaming services, um, you want to use something that's repeatable and not something like just AWS Kinesis, where you can never migrate that out to another platform or service if things change. Um, And really, all of which ensure you're taking a cloud native and cloud agnostic approach.
0: That's great. Uh, Vendor lock-in exists at all levels of cloud tiers. However, you want to make sure you're maintaining flexibility and mobility in the cloud. Therefore, you need to understand the downstream implications of your decisions. And if you get in too deep with one cloud provider, you might get stuck. Cloud native and cloud agnostic doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. It's about finding the right balance between the two. And with non-platform-specific tools and unified governance and process, you can do just that.
1: Eric, thanks for hopping on the podcast today. That was a fantastic summary, and uh, thanks for having me. It's been fun.
0: Eric Rothstad is Principal Cloud Architect at SunGuard AS. You can find the show notes for this episode at sunguardas.com slash now. Please subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice to get new episodes as soon as they're available. IT Availability Now is a production of SunGuard Availability Services. I'm your host, Brian Fawcett, and until next time, stay available.